Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, we're back, we're black, we're brown, ambition. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Tiffany. Hey guys, it's Mandy. <laughs> Mandy, it feels weird taping like midday. I know, but you know, we bend the rules for our friends and we have a very mm-hmm. special friend slash guest today. Do you want to do the honors, yeah, Tiff? I'm excited that... Well, she is, you might have seen her. She actually had her own show at one point. I mean, you've seen her, I'm sure, on the Today Show. Farnoosh Tarabi, who is amazing. Not only is she a stellar financial expert and educator, um, Farnoosh recently, which is so awesome, started doing stand-up. How randomly cool is that? (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, Farnoosh is awesome. (laughs) I've known Noosh for a long time. She's authored, I don't know, three or four different personal finance books. She has a massively popular podcast called So Money, the So Money podcast. She was one of the first personal finance influencers, I think, to launch a podcast like that. And it's been such an amazing, um, such an amazing journey for her. And I'm so excited to have her on the show because one of the reasons we've wanted for Nushan for a while is because both of us have been talking a lot about you know, planning our careers and our paths to motherhood at the same time and, and trying to, to prepare as best we can for what lies ahead. And I can't, I couldn't think of anyone who's, who's been more candid about becoming a mother and running several businesses than Farnoosh. And I just knew she'd be the perfect person to, I don't know, make us feel better about what's going on and give some great little pearls of wisdom on top of that, Farnoosh is never one to stay in one place for too long. Um, she just launched a new business, a new side project called Stacks House, which is a financial empowerment pop-up that she'll talk about on today's show as well. Yeah, I'm excited because she's just a fun all-around like dope human being and her kids are super adorable. Speaking of motherhood, ugh, I just spent all morning on the phone um, so I never had to like enroll a kid before, like in a school and I grew up and I don't know how it was where you grew up, but you know, you just used to be like, Oh, I moved to this town and this is the school that's close to my house. You enroll your kid in Newark. It is so different. So I've been getting my, um, my niece, um, well not my niece by blood, but you know, my niece by, by love. Um, so for her, her mom who moved here last year to Newark last year, she couldn't get her into school. Um, a public school that she wanted because I guess she moved like right at the school year kind of time. So I understood that because it's like a lottery system, but this year she applied extra early. You, you get to choose like four schools. She chose four schools and was not matched to any of them. So her mother was totally freaking out. 
So I was like, that seems weird and crazy. So I posted it on Facebook, like, hey, newer people, how does this work? And so isn't that weird? Like, apparently, you this is true. You can choose your schools. Um, and these are public schools. These are not charter schools. These are not, these are just regular public schools near your house and not get matched. I don't know how you're not matched to four. So I've been on the phone, honestly, by now I've spoken to the CEO of the United Way. I've spoken to like, um, an executive at the, uh, the charter school. I've spoken to a um, board member at the, um, Newark board of education because I'm like, no, this is not right. And this is not just for my niece, but just in general, what is going on? And like, you know, I wonder if um, any parents out there have experience with like this whole lottery system. I'd heard of it before, but I didn't realize that it could, you could literally not get matched. Like, and that this is public sense. school or are they special? Public. No, these are straight public, like not, sometimes you can have like a charter school that's like, we're like a public school. And it's like, no, these are straight run of the mill. I mean, these are good public schools, but they're public schools nonetheless. So isn't that crazy that you can literally like not get into a public school, four of them by your house. Yeah, man, New England is no like Northeast is no joke. New York, New Jersey, like the things I've learned about public education up here, it makes me want to move back to Georgia real quick. <laughs> when I was For growing real? up, yeah, it was it was just like you were saying, like the total opposite, you know, what's your school? Just look, you know, look at where you're zoned, you know, you have a choice of yeah. one high school, one middle school, maybe two high schools if you're lucky. Yep. Um, and that's it. Like the bus picks you up, you go and there's no choice. It's just totally different here. How old is your niece? She is eight. She's going to third grade. Third grade. So it's like elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, excuse me. <coughs> I was trying to mute it and I couldn't press the mute button in time. That's <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I just, so this is not just for her. This is just in general. So I'm just trying to figure out. So I we've gotten like a solution. Apparently it's like some family center place that you can go to. It opens up on the 29th of this month. And you can go and kind of be like, so I didn't get into any schools. What do I do? But the earlier you go, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what she's going to do. Um, and then um, so I just, you know, and then, you you know, you pray for the best. I don't because I don't know. It's not guaranteed. We can go to this family center place and they're like, yeah, girl. So you and everybody else wants a good school. But I mean, I'm hopeful, but it's also just disheartening because it's like, so what do you do? Do you do you either? So it's like one or two choices. You either. Well, three. One, you send your kid to a school where the kids are failing, which is like, why, what, you know, why would a parent want that? Two, you send your kids to a decent school, but it's super far. Like Newark is huge. Like we live in the North Ward. There are great schools in the South Ward. You're looking at like a 20 minute drive sometimes, you know, depending if you're going through traffic and stuff, you know, like that's not a small thing to take your, your third grader. You know, and then third choice is that you put them in private school. And that's what she did last year. She she put her in a parochial school. But, it, you know, it, it, it was fairly inexpensive as far as Catholic schools go. But it, it was still money, you know. And she's like, we really we, we just bought a home. We're trying to save spending, you know, money every month for private school when we pay taxes. We bought a house here. We started a business here. We pay taxes here. We went to college here. Like, I mean, I guess I'm I'm not looking for um to be overly accommodated. Just accommodated like a like a normal parent should, you know? So it's just been an interesting process and I'm like, wow, you know, how many parents, you know, don't have the capacity to advocate for their child? What do they do, you know? It's really disheartening. 
yeah. So, I mean, I'll give you guys an update. You know, by, by this time next week, I should have like a, an update. So hopefully it all works out. But ultimately what I want is that I'm, I'm sharing kind of like the solutions that people have given me like on my Facebook page because that's where I posted the question. So, you know, I mean, I, because I know she's not the only parent and that was the one request that when I get some feedback, um, share the solutions. And honestly, the solution has just been to go to this family center and and just share what's going on and they, they're supposed to be able to help. And so, I mean... That's literally everybody who I messaged, that's been the same feedback from, you know, the um, the charter school executive, the CEO of the United Way, the Board of Education member, every single person said the same thing. So I'm like, well, let's hope that that's a real solution, you know? Ugh. I mean, just finding like daycare is hard enough. Um, what? Then you go, <laughs> yes. like paying for, you know, paying for K through 12, if you have to send your kid to private school, which some parents opt to do if schools aren't good. Um, and then think about the cost of college on top of that. It's just, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's just exactly. And it's honestly, it's, it's one of the reasons why like Newark was under, um, state control for like 30 years, something crazy. This is the first year that they're finally able to manage their own schools because Newark schools were doing so poorly, public schools that the state took over. And so it's crawling its way out of that. And if they want families to move here to Newark, you know, then they have to provide a way for them to have access to um, free and fair and good public education or else people won't stay here. I know I won't. Let me uh, wait till super baby gets here. If it's a problem getting my baby into like a good school, someone's like, well, girl, you're going to have the money to go to private school. And I'm like, well, first of all, I grew up in Westfield, which is, has one of the best school systems in the, in the state, my parents purposely moved there because they were like, either do we pay for private school for five girls or do we pay taxes? And they opted for taxes. So you should be able to say that. So no, my kid will go to public school if it's a good public school. I have no problem with that, but they have to be available to them. So yeah, you know, this is, I mean, like I said, this is, it's been very interesting like this morning, like, you know, so this is what it is to have children's. Well, did you on the on the bright side, I mean, speaking of like the cost of education, so following candidates for 2020, because it's never too early to think about 2020, Elizabeth Warren, Democratic uh, candidate for the nomination, um, presidential nomination, she's released a plan. She's like one of the only candidates who's actually releasing policy initiatives. So that's what I'm looking at is, is candidates policies. And today she came out and rolled out a plan for what she would consider. um, She'd actually considered canceling student loan debt up to $50,000 of student loan debt for 42 million Americans in this new policy plan, right? Um, And the way she would pay for it is uh, a few months ago when she first rolled out her candidacy or a couple months ago, she rolled out a new private wealth tax, which would essentially put higher taxes on the rich, which we know recent tax reform did nothing, you know, to that effect. Um, So she would raise taxes on the uber wealthy and then with that increased tax revenue, um, she's talking about passing that on to student loan borrowers to help them have up to $50,000 of their student loans, uh, their student loan debt completely eliminated, which would just change lives. I mean, yes, talk about starting from behind. Um, That would be huge. So huge, huge. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, I saw that like pop up in my in my feed. And I was like, honestly, that is an amazing idea. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, that it just, I don't know. Like I, I look at my, my mentee, she's, um, she graduated law school. She's now working as a lawyer, but when she first graduated, she was like, what am I going to do? My, stu- my student loans are, um, $900 a month. And I'm like, what? They're a mortgage payment. 
Yeah. I, I don't even, you know, but I mean, I'm sure those are private loans. I'm assuming that, um, you know, Senator Warren is talking about um, um, public loans, but still student loans are, are crippling. I wish that was my mortgage payment. Anyway, uh, property yeah, taxes. Some, if, you, if you live in deep South Jersey or in, or in the South. <laughs> no, but for real. Um, so that was just fascinating to me. And, you know, especially when you look at stats that have shown, you know, everyone was so excited about public service loan forgiveness program and how it was meant to forgive student loan debt for people who took jobs and career paths and nonprofit or government work only to find out that very few people really qualified because there were yeah. so many asterisks next to the qualification um, rules. So, you know, there, there's the student loan system is still so broken. Um, so that's not as I'm looking toward 2020 and what candidates have to say, like, I, I really want to see some actual policies with, you know, ways to pay for them. And it seems like Lizzie Warren so far has a, at least a plan to pay for such a program. Um, and the implications for the economy are just huge. Like if it's not just about giving people a free ride, it's like with $50,000 off their back, imagine what you could do, you know, qualify for a mortgage. Everyone's, you know, freaking yes. out because millennials aren't, you know, getting into the home. home yeah, uh, you can start a business. Homes. Right. Start a business. Um, maybe not rack up credit card debt to finance your life. Um, get out of the rent trap. Like there's, there's so much opportunity. And when you also couple that with like stats on how disproportionate the student loan debt crisis impacts uh, communities of color, you know, who are we really talking about when we, when we say who will really benefit from the debt cancellation, it can be people of color in a big way um, who already are so behind. So that was a bit of good news. For next week, don't forget to remind me because I'm like, I've been, did I tell you that I was looking for a new financial planner? Yes, ma'am. We talked about that. I, I, so, uh, but I'm going to, I'll give you guys an update of like, so I've been interviewing, I think I interviewed like, I want to say five or six people last week and I have like two or three more this week. So I'll give you a little update. A couple people, I was like, yikes, are you sure you know how to budget, let alone financially plan? But you know, and some people were really awesome and some people were really aggressive. So I'll give you guys an update once I finish all of my, um, all of my interviews um, and just, you know, share kind of like the process and a tool, something I created for myself that made the process 10 times easier. And I'll share it with you guys. So just putting it, putting that out there before Noosh comes on. All right. Very excited to hear who you pick. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with personal finance guru, podcaster, entrepreneur, business owner, mompreneur, just all whatever the accolades are. She's got them. Farnoosh Tarabi. Come back and join us. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
Okay, guys, we are back as promised with Varnoosh Tarabi, personal finance guru, and recently co-founder of Stacks House, which I'm going to let her describe to you. But first, I'll say it is a massive personal finance empowerment pop-up that just kicked off in Los Angeles and could be touring to a city near you coming soon. Welcome, Varnoosh. Thanks so much, ladies. This is so yeah, nice of you to have me on. And um, yeah, Stacks House is my latest project. I founded this with two other female partners, Kendra Meyer and Patience Ramsey. Um, my, my co-founders come from the world of marketing, experiential marketing, brand launches. Um, and with me, you know, the personal finance background, we were a really great team to bring forth to market this pop-up and we're calling it, you know, Stag's House, we're calling it a pop-up with a purpose. So, you know, taking a page out of the success <clears throat> of all these other pop-ups like Museum of Ice Cream, Museum of Pizza, Color Factory, 29 Rooms, we want to be as successful as them. We, there's a cultural relevance and a cultural excitement around pop-ups, but we wanted to bring forth also a bit of purpose. And that purpose is to empower women as they go through the experience to confident about their money to, to feel like it's not taboo, that they can actually, you know, take control of their financial lives. And we know that there are many solutions to this problem. We don't claim to be, you know, the pop-up's not going to solve all the world's financial problems, but we thought that, you know, with all the content that already exists in the world of personal finance, your great podcast, books, you know, courses, that what was kind of missing was this essential experience. Yeah, you guys should yeah. check out uh, www.stackshouse.com um, to buy tickets for Stacks House. Now, let's talk about the social media moments because mm -hmm. this is all about financial empowerment, but we all love a good Instagram <laughs> moment. And right, right. all I'm seeing is the mechanical piggy bank. Yeah. Uh, and I need to know more. Does it travel? Will it be traveling yeah, to future we tour dates? Mechanical baby. <laughs> we, and the piggy bank really is meant to, and the ride is meant to illustrate, bring to life the movements of the market, the fact that the market can be unpredictable, up, down, sideways, round and round. We found that something like 86% of women have said that they have yet to get paid back for a small purchase amongst friends, whether that's like, I got you, I shared an Uber with you last night and I paid for it, or I got dinner last night. They're still waiting for that payment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were like, as something as small as that, to, as we know, like asking for a raise, we have this real trepidation around talking about money and asking for what we want. So that room has these beautiful illuminated installations. One's this massive cake that represents a celebratory occasion in your life. Another is an actual house that you can walk in, which represents like, you know, living in a home, um, that, that achieving that milestone. And in all of these experiences or life moments, how to speak up and ask for money because like with birthdays and stuff, we get a ton of gifts that we never use. So why don't you ask for money instead? Or, you know, when you have a roommate and you're living at um, with your roommate, making sure that you're talking about splitting the bills and having that important conversation. So that room is, you'll, you'll see that all over Instagram, this giant cake or the, the home that we have and this huge, like also this one room that this one part of the room that is this floral like decor that looks like a travel destination. That's also um, a life moment. We want to encourage women to travel and experience travel, but to do it responsibly, splitting the bill with friends and how to have those conversations. Um, we also have a stack salon, which is a retrofitted salon that looks like kind of like out of, you know, steel magnolias or something. And in that room, it's really about creating this relaxing backdrop to then 
talk about negotiating and asking for your worth. So we've got excerpts from my podcast playing with people from like Susie Orman and Ariana Huffington talking about how to earn your worth. We have a Stacks, She Stacks magazine. She Stacks is our parent company. So we have a whole magazine in there that has articles around how to negotiate and, you know, how to um, turn your side hustle into a full-time gig. And then we have in every room, I forgot to mention this, in every room we have these electronic beacons that I, we call them beacons. They're these tall vertical stations that are driven by iPads that are a lot of them are pop quizzes or they're asking you for more information about yourself so that we can give you more catered advice. So that's where we're trying to sprinkle in the literacy throughout the experience. It was a balance, right? So it's not this heavy handed, you know, textbook financial experience. I thought that would be a little weird, frankly, but to the extent that we thought it was, you know, fun and appropriate and and well tied into the room, we have these moments where you can learn about money. But we also hope to have like money schools, really good conversations around closing the wealth gap, um, you know, how um, the different sort of unique financial circumstances that affect people that are like women of color or marginalized groups, like how we can, you know, create better advice or tools or what are the systemic issues that we can address. Because, you know, again, Stacks House, in and of itself is a great experience, but we really want to take it to the next level through conversation. And we have a dedicated space in Stacks House for those things. So if you two want to come and do a live podcast from Stacks House, we would totally invite you to come. Mm. I think that would be fun. Um, and yeah, so if, if maybe that's how I get you guys to come, come I'm take your show on the road. road. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'll take okay. it. Well, our other motivation for having you on Farnoosh was just to talk to you because you wrote this amazing article in Refinery29 about what it's like to be a successful mom and an entrepreneur. So let's let's jump into that. I mean, Tiffany, I know you have questions here. Yes. And so I just wanted to ask, like, you know, with all that you do, if you guys don't know, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Farnoosh and kind of like what she does and you've probably seen her on TV and she's got her podcast and she's got this new, um, this new venture. How are you able, because as I, um, we talked offline that, you know, I'm trying to start a family with Superman and I am a little nervous. I, I mean, we have a bonus daughter, but she's 12 and, you know, a 12 year old girl is like a, it's like a 40 year old man. I mean, she's, you know, fully, <laughs> like, you know, she, she's like, I mean, since she was eight, I mean, she didn't need, you know, she doesn't need much. She can make her own breakfast, make and you know, we hang out. She loves staples like I do. So it's not a heavy lift when she gets when you get to that age, you know. Plus, her mom is awesome. So it's only 50% of the responsibility. Um, but how, you know, how do you manage with little ones and doing all that you're doing? Well, I will just say this, that I had the same concerns. And before I had kids, you know, I was like, how do these people do it? It gets done, okay? But I think that, you know, just I don't know you that well, but I feel like, I'm already understanding that you have some really important kind of foundations in your relationship, in your work, in your mindset too. It's so important before you become a mom, a working mom, that you have a few things like sort of quote unquote figured out, or at least, you know, that you're aware of the needs. And one is that it sounds like you have an amazing partner or Superman. I mean, his name is Superman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, is. that's pretty, that's pretty self-explanatory. So important. I don't know how single moms do it. I think that if you were a single mom, I, I would be beside myself. I'd say, I don't know how you do it because I know like in my life, yes, I'm married to a great man and he helps me and supports us. 
but it's also like having a nanny and having friends who I can call and say, Hey, can I, you know, can you watch my kid for, you know, the afternoon because I'm running late. So having a support system is really important. Knowing who your people are going to be is vital. So outside of even just your nuclear family, you know, are there, um, neighbors, relatives, friends, you kind of call on them all the time, but you'll be really happy to be able to access and leverage them in times of need. Um, having someone who can take care of your child, uh, like a nanny or a really great daycare or preschool that you love and trust is really important too. That's part of the, how you do it. Um, and, and you might not get it right the first time. You know, I know a lot of people who hire caretakers and, and it doesn't work out. So that's okay. It's just know that that's part of the process sometimes, because as a new parent, like sometimes you just don't know what you need. Um, and so the, I guess the elephant in the room here is that to be able to have all these things, you need money. And yeah. I think that it is much harder when you don't have savings, for steady income before you have kids, we know this, but it's it's. I, I wrote about this for Refinery Twenty Nine. Um, that even when in my in my twenties, when I was far from having kids, I had kids in my mid thirties. I already could tell that having kids in New York City, in particular tri-state area, is really expensive if you want to continue working. Like it's kind of ironic. Like you have to be able to afford your you have to work to be able to afford having kids, which is, you know, and you have to have to have a good job and a good paying job to be able to um, sometimes afford some of the basics. So making sure that you're financially set up is vital um, and preparing for things like childcare. But I think also what I'm sensing from your question is like, the management of it, you know, because you're busy, you're running off, you're doing speeches, you're traveling the country, you've got TV and like all your work. But I think that one of the beauties that happens when you have kids is that your framework completely changes, but it's okay. It's what you've wanted. And I realized that when I had kids, my first son, there were limitations as far as what I could do. Like I couldn't just drop and go to California you know, because some random television production company was calling and maybe before I had kids, I'd be able to, but you know, it was, I had limitations. I started my podcast as soon as I had a kid because of the benefits of, of how that worked with my new life as a mom. So a podcast I can do from home. It's something that still allows me to connect to all the women and all the men that I want to connect with. It's monetizable. And it's, it's like, it doesn't require me to like get dressed up, you know, and put on makeup. I, you know, before I had kids, I was doing a a TV show and like a lot of videos, which required me a lot of time and also like getting ready and all the whole makeup and hair thing. Like I wanted to kind of tone that down and I was looking forward to it. And, you know, you're not going to be able to know everything that's going to happen, but for for somehow like having kids makes you a lot more decisive around what it is you want to do and what it is you can do. And here's the thing, like you've been working so hard all your career that you have now arrived at a place where now that you want to become a parent, you can afford to say no to things and then the, the ramifications aren't going to be dire for you, right? Like yeah. you saying no to certain things um, versus you saying no 10 years ago to those certain things, whole different consequence. Um, you're not going to want to say yes to everything. I wrote an article for Money one time that since becoming a mom, my income doubled. And I think it's because I got really, really acutely aware of the things that were important to me. I got really clear on my 
framework and like how I, how I work. Like I don't go on business trips that require me out of the house for two or three more nights, unless, you know, I just got back from LA for a week. That's a unique circumstance, but you know, I used to just do things sometimes for free, never again. Mm. Um, and if it's gonna, if they're going to want me to travel, then they have to, you know, make sure that they get me back here within 48 hours, that the travel is accommodating, that, that there's money involved. I've become really good at negotiating, asking for my worth since I became yes. a parent. And so I'll I, see, I, can say, see that. I think you're going to be fine. I think that, um, you're going to be more than fine. You know, you have the support system, you have the income, you're driven, you're, you know who you are. You're going to be a great role model for your kids too. Like, I can't wait for you to be a parent. What if I'm like, I, I think about something like, what if I'm like, I don't want to do the budget list anymore. I mean, one of the things I did ahead of time is that I, um, I started an online school for that very same reason. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm, if I never spoke again on a stage, what, you know, what does that look like? And so I said, well, I need income to still come in. And so my online school does really, really well. Um, and it, it like it probably makes about, mm, I want to say like four or five times what me speaking and books and stuff as the budget needs to make. So as far as income, you know, the only thing is like, it's like I have people that are hired via the budget Nista, but even then we have some ideas in place of like how the budget Nista can make money without the budget Nista me, you know? Um, so it can, you know, keep that business running. So I'm not worried so much about the financial component, I guess more so like, you know, just, it's a lot emotionally. I mean, when I babysit my, I used to ask my sister, like, um, Hey, you know, you didn't reply to my text or did you get that email I sent you? And she'd be like, girl, the kids are up. And I'm like, what does that mean? Until I babysat. And I was like, how do you even go to the bathroom? <laughs> <They're> <laughs> well, the truth is she doesn't sometimes. And sometimes it's Thursday and she realized she hasn't taken a shower since Monday. And I think it's important for parents to be a lot more transparent about the realities of raising a kid. So you know, in my, in starting Stacks house, I'm the only mom in the, in the company. And, and you know, I, I don't want to always like use my family as an excuse, but the reality is, is like, I can't do four hour meetings on the weekends. Sorry, ladies, you know, like my life is just not there. I can't. And, and maybe I could, but I don't want to, I'm, I don't want to be that kind of parent that's away from her family on the weekends for four hours. If I can, if there's another way to do it, let's do it. So I'm really vocal about the fact that, you know, as a mom, there's just some non-negotiables for me. Like I'm going to give you all this time, but then I need other times to do, to be a mom, you know, and to be with my family. And I'm not apologetic about that. And I think that, you know, there's that saying where we want women to work like they don't have a family and have a family like they don't have work. And I think that that needs to stop. And I think People used to be afraid. Like I used to be a little bit more timid about be saying like, well, I can't, you know, I have to be home by five because my nanny leaves then. And now I'm just like, sorry, five o'clock is my witching hour. It's when my nanny leaves and I have to be at home. And I'm literally out of commission for at least half an hour because my kids are climbing my body for 30 minutes. And that's just the reality. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not going to dance around it. That's just, it is what it is. And I'm so, I feel so fortunate to be able to have that life. I get, I get to, to bring, bring that, that to the women that work with me. I would largely, I would say it's, we're like 90% women. And of the women, I would say, you know, more than half are moms. And of those moms, more than, you know, 60% of those moms are, um, are mothers of young children, like, you know, one, two, three, four. And so we make it, I really um, make it a point 
to make the environment in that, because we all work digitally, that they set their own schedule. There is no, you know, like your family comes first, second, and third. If we're having like my, um, my CFO, Rachel, she's amazing. She's got a, um, uh, uh, Manny, I think her son is, is three or four and uh, Imani, her daughter is like one or two. And so sometimes, you know, Rachel is like diving deep into the numbers and Manny is like on the video chat, like, Hey, Miss Stephanie, you know, just like <laughs> chilling. And I'm like, bring him. You know, yeah. because I, I want you like you shouldn't hide that part of yourself. You're a mom and you're yeah. a mom who's just a killer CFO, but you're still a mom. And sometimes we have meetings and she's like, you might hear the kids. We're at the park. I'm pushing them on the swing. And I'm like, look, it, that's fine by me. I mean, they you know, it's just I wish more there was more of an environment of that. The, the great thing is I do have a really great support system. My, my husband is awesome. And my, my team, they're all, they all know that I'm working on having a kid. And like I said, they have been awesome of like, what can we do that mm. would, they literally have like operation Tiffany's baby, you know? Oh, and so, <laughs> so they're so like, well, you know, so I'm fortunate, but it's like, yeah. So it's, I guess it's more so the nerves of like, ah, I'm one of five girls. I don't know how my mother did it. One of five girls. And how my dad. did any of our mothers do it? Honestly. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, so you went to school, you worked, you raised that. I just, I just don't, I can barely take care of myself. I feel like half the time. So, um, I guess it's just a nervousness of the emotional component of how to manage because my, for example, my publicist, uh, Drina, she's got a young son. And I remember the first year or two, which she would travel with me, say if I was like shooting something in LA and she would travel with me, she'd be at the, the airport in hysterics, you know? And I'm like, what happened? She's like, I love the baby. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, it was so hard. I mean, it's not as hard now, but it's still really hard for her to, to travel and leave. So I guess that's just a component. I guess she just never quite get over that. And like you said, um, ask, making sure that when you do work, um, that you're, you're not gone as long, you know? And, well, well, and I would just say, you know, <clears throat> there's this real, um, push in our society to get women back to work sooner than later. And women, I think we also have that pressure on ourselves. Like, I don't want to miss out. I need to go back to work. But to really, um, if there's one advice I would give you is like, after you have your baby to just give yourself permission to do, to feel however you want to feel and to act however you want to act and not to feel like you have to follow a script or some sort of timeline to get back to work really quickly. Like your body needs to heal. Your mind needs to get refocused. Um, some people call it like the, the fifth, the fourth trimester, (laughs) you know, where you've had your baby, but you're still, you know, you're not a hundred, you're not yourself again, you know, yet. Um, you're a different person. You're a different person. You're not a lesser person or, 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 you know, you're just different. And so people sometimes don't give us the, the, the required sort of space and attention and support in those vital, you know, months following birth. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember my doctor, she said to me, I don't want your, I want you to have your feet up for at least a week. I don't want you like, and I couldn't help myself. I wanted to clean. I wanted to like hold the baby a lot. I wanted to walk around. And, um, and, and that's, you know, everyone's going to be different, but if you're feeling like you need to slow down, slow it down. You know, you've earned it. Farnoosh, I have to ask you about this one piece, this one piece of advice you gave in that, in that story, which resonated with me. Um, and I'll, since I'm talking about it so much, I'll post a link to that refinery 29, uh, column. Cause it was so excellent. So I have a girlfriend who decided after having a child that the job she was at 
she was unhappy before she had the kid and something about having a kid as an option to hang out with versus being at a job you hate just pushed her over the edge. And she actually ended up leaving that job and mm. um, took several months off and then started a at home consultancy business. And in your in that post, you, know, you talk about when you if you decide to leave the workforce, you really encourage and I don't want to, you know, put words in your mouth. So correct me if I'm wrong or misinterpreting, but encourage women to get back, like take time off, heal, be with your family, but get back to being in the workforce, or at least in some way or shape, one form, shape or another, earning um, wealth for yourself. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think that um, the, the foundation of that is just that I want women to be financially independent, right? So, you know, this idea that I'm just never going to work again, that really frightens me, truly. I mean, unless you have wealth coming in from an inheritance or just you were independently wealthy or you just saved a whole ton of money before you had a kid. I mean, I do, at the if, if I just, you know, at the core of everything that I talk about and teach and feel about women in finance is just that women need their own financial independence. And I know that after you have a kid and you're, you know, mom and all, you know, it's not possible to always be in the workforce, but to always have part of your brain thinking about your reentry. Um, and it may not look like the career you had before having children and it doesn't mean it has to, but thinking about your own financial solvency as a woman who now happens to also be a mother is worth thinking about and is worth strategizing around. Um, and, and, and it, for everyone, it's going to happen at a different pace. So I'm not saying like it has to happen right away, but it is, I don't want that part of them, that thinking that, that sort of strategizing in your head to go away. Um, cause I think that it happens for a lot of mothers, um, and dads too, for that matter, a lot of more fathers are becoming stay at home pa- parents. And, you know, I, I have some pretty, um, I guess maybe controversial perspectives on stay at home parenting, I think it just stems from like, I just want everyone to have financial peace and independence. And you can't have that if you're not making any money. And I don't want kids to be an interruption to that. I think that kids are going to be sort of in some ways like a shift in, in your path and a good one. But like to always, I just, I just, I just guess it comes from a place of advocacy for women. You know, I really want them to think about how they can continue to make money. No, that makes a lot of sense. And just to close that story out, um, I'm so proud of her because, you know, she's had two kids since leaving her job. Well, she had the one kid and then had a second kid in December. Um, and recently, they, she, you know, she started her at-home business and her previous employer um, called her up because they were looking to fill um, a position. They actually let go of the manager that was making it really difficult for my friend to work there. And they just hired her back and she negotiated her, a promotion and a big fat raise um, and all the, the things that sort of frustrated her about the job before, um, you know, no telecommuting privileges, that kind of thing, she was able to, to get that flexibility um, when they rehired her. So I'm super proud of Amazing. her. And, she, and like she did well, it her own way. I've heard a lot of anecdotal, anecdotal feedback that like employers love hiring mothers, because they get they get it done. Well, we could talk to you all day. We're so yeah. grateful to have you on the show, Farnoosh. Thanks for joining Thank us. You Thank you so, so much. much. And um, I'll come oh, back anytime. That was our interview with Farnoosh Tarabi. You guys check out her podcast, So Money, and go to StacksHouse.com to buy tickets for Stacks House Financial Empowerment Pop-Up.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.